All right, everyone. Welcome to Solution Brewing Podcast. I'm Rob, and with me today is Brendan. Normally, we have three of us. Steve is here, but uh, Steve and his wife just had a baby this week. You know what, Brendan? You also just had a son this year. A couple months ago, yeah. I'm single, don't have kids, so I definitely can't relate to to that situation, but uh, I'm sure you understand what it's like having a brand new child in the home. Well, definitely the first week is always a little bit of a adaptation, I guess I would say, or a a change. I I don't think Steve has slept very well in the last seven days, so we'll give him a pass on missing today's recording. Yeah, the the last few messages I've had from him sounded like they're taking care of the baby in shifts, so (laughs) he's just taking, (laughs) getting any sleep in when he can. (laughs) Well, the kid's probably eating every two or three hours, so it's it's hard to get a regular schedule, and even if you're on the off shift, the baby's going to cry, and (laughs) you're going to have to deal with it, so... So maybe next week, maybe the week after, we'll have Steve back with us. But until then, we'll keep talking about beer stuff without him. Yeah, and he's going to miss out on this one. And today we're going to talk about uh, what to do with your beers and problems we've had with them in terms of when they're done fermenting, you know, difference between bottling and kegging and types of carbonation. Now, I don't know about you, Brandon. I haven't actually done much bottling or bottle conditioning. And uh, for people who don't know what that bottle conditioning is, that's basically when you finish uh, fermenting your wort, uh, your beer, and you're putting it into the the bottle. You're, you're also adding a little bit of sugar so that the yeast kind of like reactivates and naturally carbonates your beer. What I do is I do a lot of forced carbonation, which is put everything into a keg and force a lot of high pressure CO2 into there. Do you have any... Uh, have you done any bottling? Uh, we did some. So back in the day, kind of the first few batches Steve and I made together, we bottle conditioned those. It's a bit of a pain. <laughs> first of all, like each batch, you got a, what do you got? 60 bottles in a batch. If you, if you do the regular uh, 355 or 400 mil ones, it, you got to get all the bottles cleaned. You got to get them all sanitized. You got to get them all lined up. And then you got to transfer. You got to put in exactly half a teaspoon of sugar or whatever it is into each one. Uh, and then fill it up, but not too much because you need a little bit of headspace in there so that there's enough displaced volume for the CO2 to actually build. And if you add too much sugar, then you, you start popping tops off beer bottles. Or if you add, don't add enough, you end up with a flat beer at the end of the day. So I don't know. It, it seemed like a lot of work to me, which kind of drove me towards getting a, a keg set up and going forest carving as well. Right. But it was it was a couple of years before I was able to get the a keg setup. Well, so you've done a lot of bottling then. Well, no, three or four oh. batches. So you got to remember, I don't, I don't brew as much as you do. But it, it was enough that I, I got annoyed at it for sure. <laughs> so. And I mean, like I made wine before going into beer, so I initially thought I was like, oh, it's a, it'll be kind of the same. You still got to do all the bottles and stuff for wine, but a wine bottle is 750 mils, so you don't have to deal with that. <laughs> nearly as many as many of them, and they're easier to clean, and you don't have to carbonate. Them, I mean, so. you could use bigger bottles for beers too. But just but every yeah. time you open it, you have to drink seven or fifty mils, <laughs> which is a lot. Well, on the other side of it is you gotta you gotta get seven hundred and fifty mil bottles, and I'm cheap, so I didn't want to buy bottles just to put beer in. I wanted to buy full bottles and then refill well, them. You, you know, your brother's wife drinks a lot of wine, right? No, well, but... <laughs> that's where I got a lot of my bottles. <laughs> yes. No, no, that's where I got the wine bottles. But so, have you ever have you ever put beer beer in wine bottles? I, I've never even thought of that. Actually, no, I didn't try it just because. Uh... Well, there'd be nothing wrong with it. You can't, you don't cap them like normally. You'd still have to cork them. You'd have to cork them and put a cage or something around it. But uh, I don't know if you'd have to put a cage around. It. I mean, I'm just thinking champagne and stuff's always caged. So yeah, but I I think that's because they probably move around more. So probably like bumping them around would probably slowly push the cork out. I don't know if they would just like pop on their own. Well, I might have to do an experiment with this now. Now you've got me thinking about it. Not that I want to go back to bottle conditioning, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I just kind of want to see what would happen now. <laughs> Getting back to the original question, no, I don't like bottle conditioning normally. Did you do what you said? You said you don't do it much. You do. You kind of got annoyed with it, same same as me when you started. I've actually, doing never it. bottle conditioned anything. Yeah. Really? So because when I was um when I was reading up and and learning how to how to brew, I was reading about the whole process. Like, what does it take from start to finish? And you have to you have to put it into, into something. That liquid has to go somewhere. I was like, I really don't want to deal with sixty bottles. <laughs> because like like you said, I was just thinking about the amount of work it takes to uh, keep those clean sanitized and you still have to store them somewhere mm -hmm. uh empty and full so you still need the dedicated fridge to store bottles in and then you need dedicated shelf space to keep all these bottles right and then uh and then you also like when you bottle condition uh, maybe people don't realize this but when the yeast is reactivating and doing stuff it's also leaving sediment at the bottom of the of your bottle so you can't actually drink all of the beer unless unless you like yes. drinking yeast which is i don't recommend it doesn't taste very good no that's a very good point generally you want to you want to kind of pour that stuff out of the bottle and leave a little bit in there. Yeah, like you don't actually want to be drinking out of the bottle because that's just going to stir up all that yeast and you're just going to drink it. So you always want to pour it into a glass to make sure you get as much beer as you can without getting any of that sludge from the bottom. And I was like, okay, so what does it take to really keg it? Because if you're doing five gallons or 20 liter batches, you only need one one little keg, right? One 20 liter keg. Um, in my case, I'm using corny kegs, which are just old Pepsi kegs. You still need a fridge to put them in, which is fine. But it is a little bit more expensive to do it. When you put it into a fridge like that, you're building a kegerator, essentially, right? So you do need, mm -hmm. you need taps. You need your own CO2 tank so that you can keep the keg carbonated, that kind of stuff, right? So it definitely mm -hmm. is an extra investment. But to me, it's totally worth it. I mean, where else are you going to put all those bottles? You got 60 bottles, like you said, right? You have to, you have to keep those cold. So you need an extra fridge no matter what. The only difference is you're drilling a few holes in there to put some taps through the door. Building kegerators is fun. I've, I've built like five or six of them now. It's an interesting little process. As you were talking about it, yeah, it is a higher capital cost. Or, uh, capital cost. It's a higher cost to get a kegerator put together. And even just the CO2 tank is not cheap right off the, the hop. And then you need regulators and hoses and all that fun stuff. And I... I mentioned in the bottle conditioning part that I was too cheap to buy bigger bottles. So, so I decided to go with a kegerator system, which is far more expensive <laughs> than big bottles. I guess I'm not cheap. I'm just lazy. But I find you kind of actually probably save money in the long run because, you know, you take these bottles, you take them somewhere to a friend's house, and then you're, gonna, you're never going to see those bottles again. True, true. Whereas if you bring the keg over to a friend's house, you make damn sure you bring that keg back someday. Oh, well, they have nowhere to take that keg. So even if you bring your bring like a little portable setup so i guess that here's an option we didn't discuss and it, it, it it's what i did for a little bit so um it is the the keg you buy your co2 you get your air hoses and a regulator and all that fun stuff but i didn't have a fridge to start off with i just decided to start kegging stuff and it happened to be winter so that worked out well for me yeah if you got some cold room or even leaving them outside as long as it's not minus 20 yeah minus a million um but I was at the time basically only brewing beer for large events or bigger parties. So you would typically go through the, the keg or most of a keg in that night. So you'd prep it, you get it all force carved and add the, the CO2 and shake it all around and do all that fun stuff. Put it outside, add the picnic tap, and then just have everybody go, go through it that way. And I mean, that worked absolutely fine and allowed me to shop around for the perfect, i.e. cheapest fridge and then the appropriate taps and the other fittings that you need to make it work. But I mean, a lot of people think fridges are expensive. All I did was I just 
you know, I just searched for uh, someone giving away a fridge. Yeah, I had a buddy who had bought a new fridge and needed to get rid of his old one. It was a little apartment style fridge. That was perfect. I'll take it. Throw it in my garage. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Now, if you go looking for a free fridge, don't expect to get a super nice fridge. Like all the ones I found, they're all like, you know, 15 plus years old, but they all ran. They all work, no problem. Yeah, that's the big thing. As long as you got something that runs, you can always spruce it up. And I know you did this with your fridge, and I did it with the one I got, not as completely, because, again, I'll, I'll refer you back to my lazy comment earlier. But chalk paint is wonderful for K-grades. Yeah. Like, I think it's the best idea that I've ever seen. I absolutely adore it. Just painting a chalk writable surface. Nice, clean lines, relatively easy to wash, very easy to identify what you got on tap. Yeah, because you can just write on it wherever you want. If you like paint the sides of the fridge too, you know, when you, for you, when your kid gets old, gets old enough, you can draw on it, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Well, and actually, so the reason I didn't do the entire fridge is because the, the place where I have it set up actually works out quite well. So I did uh, fr the front of the fridge and then the left panel. And I have it sitting with right panel against the, the wall in my basement. But it's so all the, the main visible surfaces are, are chalk painted and are free for drawing. And yeah, <laughs> I got to teach my kid to draw in the beer fridge instead of pulling the yeah. taps. That'll be the key. <laughs> You're going to have to put like locks on your beer taps somehow. Well, I was thinking about that. And they, there there are cake locks. I just got to find out how they work and where they are because that is a legitimate concern in terms of having a toddler running around that likes to play with things. And... You know what? Not not that he would be drinking the beer, but I would lose a keg pretty quick if he opened a tap and ran away. And not to mention the big mess it would leave. Oh, of course, and yeah, all that sort of Here's stuff. Here's 20 but... liters of beer for you to mop up, Dad. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So you've built, you built you said, around five keg graders? I know you've got the nice one in your kitchen there, which maybe you can describe for everybody listening. I, it is nicer than mine. <laughs> so the one in my kitchen is actually my second one. First one I got was similar to you, Brendan. Was uh, my my folks actually uh, renovated their kitchen? They bought a new fridge, and they were just going to take theirs to the landfill. I was like, "Well, I'll take it." <laughs> so I actually saved them a little bit of time and money there, so they didn't have to just drop it off at the dump. And I have another one in my garage that's waiting to be converted. And you might be wondering why do I have two? And it's because when I was surfing Kijiji ads, I asked if they were still available, and they both said yes at the same time. So I was like, "Damn it!" Okay. <laughs> So I was I was already borrowed a truck and and some help, so I'm like I'm just gonna grab both of them. Screw it, <laughs> because like what whatever like can't hurt you to have another fridge. Mine has four taps, four taps that can fit four kegs in there, and I can fit the CO2 tank in there, which is nice. So that all the CO2 is the same temperature as the beer with a little uh, gas manifold in there that I just screwed right into the side inside the fridge so I, it's not just hanging there I actually have it mounted and then uh, I painted the front and both sides with chalkboard paint so even even though the right side of mine you can't see it because it's up against the wall if it ever got moved then I wouldn't have to paint it it's already done yeah so it's kind of nice that way but yeah I love having it actually what's funny was before we started recording this I poured myself a beer and uh, when you have multiple taps you can start experimenting so I, I do what's called a slurpy beer sometimes <laughs> <laughs> and, and if anyone who remembers like going to going to Seven Eleven for Slurpees and you you don't like I don't want just one Slurpee you go there with your cup and you're like mixing all the flavors together yeah I do that with the beers too oh we used to call that uh what swamp juice or something with uh, you do with the pops or or any of the Slurpee flavors so so what concoction are you drinking today Rob so right now I've got stout a ginger beer a raspberry beer and a red ale all mixed together in here it's actually pretty good. <laughs> 
Oh my god, that's almost like a dessert platter. Oh, beer. it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can I can say that I've never done it that. It started that thing started with because I really like black and tans, right? So you get that uh, the pale gold color beer on the bottom, and you get the stout floating on top. Yeah. So did you layer your beers in the in the swamp water? No, it's actually all kind of rolled together. So that's kind of how it, that first started. That habit first started was I was trying to do that. I just wanted to be like, oh, I wonder if I can make this work. That'd be kind of a cool thing to try to do is to get like three or four beers of just slightly different gravities and, and layer them all in the glass. Yeah, yeah like it'd be cool. Like Obviously, there's two, but I wonder if there's a way to get three. It'd be really hard to pour that every time. Yeah, and I mean, if they're just like, if they're different gravities, then it, you just got to pour it calmly. Like you can do it with a shot that you have four or five layers, right? So same, just bigger. Yeah. So other than, other than kegerators, those awful also built keysers which is basically the same thing, but you're building it out of these little chest freezers instead. So I was originally going to go that route because my wife had a, a small apartment freezer. That was our first freezer when we got together and got married and all that sort of stuff. And then we very quickly realized that I eat more food than she does, so we needed a bigger freezer. <laughs> and then this one, we kind of just, we ended up emptying out and it sat idle and I was, started making the beer. And I was like, this, this would be great. I could just drill through the top and I can get the taps on there and it'll be perfect it'll be perfect i threw a corny keg in there because i had the picnic tap set up at that time and i couldn't close the door oh was it tall enough <laughs> it's it an inch an inch too oh, short no. <laughs> i was like oh no this was such a great idea there's a solution for that though i've seen people screw the top like um take the lids off and yes put... and i did consider that and you can kind of put a little not even you don't need much you just need a little space or something and then reattach the hinges yeah i've seen people do it with like they were using two by sixes or two by eights and then that way you can actually drill holes through them and you can put the taps out the front instead of drilling through the mm -hmm. fortunately for me it was very shortly after that my my friend got his new fridge and and solved ah, my problem yeah, that there way. We go. um so i wasn't out for long but it was i i just thought it was comical because it was it was so close yeah <laughs> the uh the keysers are kind of nice i did one without taking the lid off like i just drilled straight through the hole uh, so I put a tower, two-tap tower. I, I actually kind of liked it because the towers end up being at a little bit of a nicer height for me because I'm six one, so I'm a little bit taller. So it's, I like reaching up as opposed to down. Whereas with the fridge, you're kind of limited by the height of the fridge and, and you want to make sure the taps are lower than the freezer. So if you ever open the freezer part, you don't open all your taps. Pro tip for you, anyone who wants to build a kegerator, make sure your tap handles and your taps end up lower than your freezer. <laughs> uh, like I like having chilled glasses too. Absolutely. That's the best. That's the, the number one reason to get an upright fridge with a freezer as your kegerator so that you have chill glasses right there. And the other thing that we keep in there is any food that would be appropriate after you've had too many beers. During the oh, there you go. So we've got our frozen pizzas in there. We've got some <laughs> eggos. We've got our uh, pierogies, um, some spring rolls. Like it's, it's fantastic. It's all the deep fried thrown in the oven and have a good time kind of food. That's funny. I have so many fridges now that, uh, I can keep that one dedicated to only beer paraphernalia. So I just got, I have like 20 glasses in there, a couple trays of ice. And sometimes I like to keep some spirits in there. Like if you like Jägermeister, Jägermeister tastes awful when it's warm. You got to drink that one ice cold. Ice, ice cold. Yeah. Jäger and vodka actually is another one I'll keep in the freezer all the time. Yeah, vodka is a good one. Stoli's vodka, frozen with uh, a little bit of lemon and some ice. That's go-to vacation drink when I'm in the States for, for whatever reason. If you do go with the Keyser, though, something that we should mention so that everybody's aware of it is you need a temperature controller uh, because most freezers, deep freezes especially, 
will be too cold for your yeah, beer. Yeah, even if you put them on the warmest setting, they'll still try to freeze everything. So in that case, it's like it's a little bit more expensive than a kegerator. Temperature controllers are like a hundred bucks. Plus, you still need all the same equipment that you would need for the kegerator. Just depends on whatever's convenient, right? Well, yeah, and if you already have the the freezer, but you don't have anything else, then yeah. But I don't have a I don't have a keyser, but I did take we did inherit with the the, the house we bought a few years ago came with a deep freeze. And we already had the other the other deep freeze, so it was like, okay, now we don't need multiple of these. What are we going to do with this other one? So I was like, you know what? I actually use it to cold crash my beer. So I ended up buying a temperature controller so that I could drop it to exactly whatever temperature it is. And if I ever decide that I want to try lagering for some reason, I could do a properly controlled like temperature step down for the secondary fermentation. Yeah, they definitely come handy for that. And it also came in handy for a large amount of samples for our fine solutions yeah, products that needed to be kept. Uh, that's where I have one of my one of our pictures there on Instagram is a picture of my uh, my freezer that's like that right now. Anyway. You know, we've only talked about full size fridges. There's still, if anyone's interested in doing them with those like mini bar fridges, I've done a couple with those, and I recommend if you can use a mini fridge that does not have a little freezer shelf. The reason for that is because your Freon uh, has to run through that part as well, and it gets in the way, which means you have to bend it out of the way so that it doesn't take up space for you, right? If you're not careful when you do this, uh, you'll you'll break one of the, the piping or whatever, and it, you're just going to shoot get a shot of Freon in the face. Shot of Freon in the face and a leak in your, uh, in your uh, refrigerant. Well, yeah, it's, and it's all gone, right? So... Speaking from experience, that has happened to me. <laughs> so no, I don't recommend doing it. <laughs> so if you can, look for one without without a freezer shelf. Try to find one that's just a fridge. Yeah, that's uh, Steve's kegerator at his house is one, one of those fridges without the freezer tray. And he's got a nice little tower set up on top of it. So You did briefly mention that when you were, when you were bottle, bottle conditioning, that if you add too much sugar, they... Uh, you can pop tops, and uh, I mean, there's a there's a term for that. It's called beer bombs, right? Mm-hmm. So, have you had that happen at all? No, no, I've been lucky to avoid that, but I was paranoid about it for the first batch that I bottle conditioned. I was checking on them like they were my like they were a baby. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like a live grenade. Is everything still here? Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> very careful, like you know, the carrying the nitro into the mine. You're very careful moving them around and all that. So. No, I haven't, but I've definitely had, with the stuff I bottle conditioned, there was definitely a variability in the carbonation levels between the bottles. And a large part of that is my uh, not consistency with uh, the sugar addition and getting annoyed with, by bottle 50, adding exactly the right amount of sugar and just kind of, ah, well, how much could it matter? But yeah, I I, I don't like bottle conditioning. Yeah. Actually, you know what? This brings another point here, Tifer. Kegerators, if anyone's considering that, if you're like, oh, but I, the, the point of bottling is so you can take it over to a party or you're going to go visit somebody and you want to bring some beers over, you can bottle straight out of the kegerator. Absolutely. Like grab a bottle, pour it into there, cap it off, you're good to go. And you go, yeah. and you only have to do like six or seven or 12 or wh- whatever you want to bring over. You don't have to do all 60. Actually, that works really well. And we've done that for competitions and stuff too, right? Just make it in the keg and then bottle it and go. So that's... Yeah, that's a number of different steps, a number of different ways to enjoy your beer after it's made. 
I think we've kind of covered all the main ones. But uh, anybody listening, if they want to tell us their stories about their their setups or anything interesting or wacky that they've heard or seen or something that needs a solution, send it our way. Uh, our email, noproblemsatsolutions.com. Available on all the Twitters, Instagrams, and Facebooks. Yeah, uh, close friend, it's noproblemsatsolutionsbrewing.com. Ah, I should know that. <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> by now, eh? <laughs> Um, also, uh, if, if anyone's even interested in building a kegerator and they just have some questions about it, they could, yeah, feel free to hit us up on social media or an email and we'll be happy to answer your questions and help you out with that. It's definitely a lot of fun. Like I said, I've built five or six of them now. I've helped, I've built two, three for myself, two kegerators and a keezer. My sister's boyfriend saw it, liked it. I helped him build one for him. Yeah. It, it's fun. I like doing it. I don't know why. It's, it's a good little project with great utility, so... Yeah, and it's actually not as complicated as you think it is. Perfect. All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, hope to catch you guys next time. Take care. Take care.